Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. To live an uncommon life, one needs to learn uncommon disciplines. Hey folks, and welcome back to the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. This is your host, Mark Devine. So stoked to have you join me today. Thank you so much for your time. As you know, I do not take it lightly. There is lots of things out there that you could be doing right now, and the fact that you're listening is pretty awesome, pretty darn cool. So I won't waste your time. My guest today is Dr. Don Wood. Don's amazing. Like He's a trauma expert, uh, founder of the Inspired Performance Institute. He's helping so many people with his work on basically understanding the importance of trauma and how it plays a role in your decision-making and how your brain develops and that, you know, your brain can get wired and, you know, have a few bugs in it because of trauma. And we tend to kind of ignore that. Most of us, we think that, you know, as adults that we're just kind of like, you know, we are who we are, but underlying all that is all these glitches and bugs that are put there or grow there basically out of childhood trauma and they can be eradicated. And he's got a really powerful method for doing that. The other thing that's super cool is he's the founder of a nonprofit called Child Watch, and he's helped locate over 250 missing children over the past 20 years. You know, that's a topic that's come up a few times this year, just how many kids go missing and are abducted every year. It's stunning. And I can't wait to talk to Don about that. And we really got to figure out how to do something about that. It's on the set. So, yeah, Don, thanks for being here. Uh, this is the second time that we've done this because the <laughs> first time the audio was so bad that we had to ditch the podcast, which was a tragic thing. But hey, it's great to do it again. Two times a charm, right? Yep. I appreciate it, Mark. And I'm sure it was on my end. So I apologize. <laughs> well, now that you're all macked up, yep. the Apple family of products, we should be fine. Exactly. Okay. So Don, you know, I'd like to do this with all guests, but give us a sense of who you were when you grew up. And since you're a trauma expert, my, you know, I'm, I'm going to imagine that there was some trauma in, in your life and that you had to overcome that. And that may, might've led you down this path, but don't let me, you know, put words in your mouth. <laughs> Let's hear from the horse's mouth yourself. Well, it was actually really the opposite. I, I had this that. idyllic childhood. No um, kidding. It was really I didn't think anybody had an idyllic childhood. Oh, I, I, I didn't realize yeah. it was idyllic when I was in it. I just assumed everybody was living this life. Wow. I had parents that never argued. They never raised their voice. They were the calmest people in the world. So as a child, I was just assuming that everybody was living like that. Right. I go to my friends' houses, I would never see the dysfunction there because everybody's on their best behavior. (laughs) So really where I started understanding what trauma was is when I met my wife. So we were 18 and I had a chance to play professional hockey in Sweden. And so we got very close quickly, but that also got me very involved in her family. Mm -hmm. And I realized, in fact, I was shocked 
that she was not living the life that I thought she would be living. She had a very, very disturbed father and was living with a tremendous amount of trauma, a lot of abuse. Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started to understand it. And like I said, because I didn't see it very much, you know, and I played hockey so I could protect myself. So I never got bullied. I never had any kind of trauma, no physical or emotional abuse. So I was just skating through my childhood. Mm-hmm. But the advantage of that was I knew what the model was. I knew what it was like to live in that peace. Mm-hmm. And we can all do that if we can control and get our nervous system to regulate. Right. And what so, I was happening for me is my nervous system got regulated every time I came home. Uh, so tell me about that. Like you, you were out and you were taking on you no know, everyday stress, right? Right. And then you got home and what was that experience like? And how do you, how do you think that regulated your your nervous system? Well, as, as a child, you know, again, something could happen at school, you know, a teacher said something or a friend did something or whatever, but I would come home and everything felt so safe. So it was so nurturing in my home that I would just calm down huh. and I wouldn't feel what, where home became that sanctuary for me. And I didn't realize it at the time, but now I understand what was actually happening is that my nervous system was calming down was going back into regulation. Mm-hmm. And so I was inadvertently training it, right, right, to be able to do that. And other when I grew up and I started having more stressful situations, I knew what it was like to get back into balance quickly. So what did you, okay, so what was happening in the environment to trigger the calming effect? Was it just the feeling of being safe or was there something else? It was that. And again, you know, I could talk to my parents and they could sense if something was wrong and it would become, you know, what can we do? Or do you want to, you know, talk about it? I just felt safe. And I can't say it was anything specific that they did. It was just a culture, you know, and that culture. The energy field of the home, like a a morphogenic field. Exactly. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, my family environment was the opposite. That's pretty interesting. So I guess where I was going with that is later on when you didn't have that home environment, you didn't have that morphogenic culture, was it just the memory of it that allowed you to instantly calm down? Or I believe you- so. I think it was like training. So again, like I said, you're right. If I would go out, you know, I got into business and did other things, I would run into a lot of stressful situations, but I learned to be able to handle that stress. So I had become accustomed to being able to balance Mm-hmm. And that was something my wife couldn't do. And I could never understand why. Why was mm-hmm. she constantly feeling this fear? Why was she always living in fear? Mm-hmm. And that's when I really started to understand what trauma had done to her. Mm-hmm. Trauma was looping for her. It was right. continuing to loop through her mind, creating this constant fight or flight, you know, mm-hmm. sympathetic nervous system responses to everything. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be doing that. Did you study this or were you just um, observing, just a close observer? Like, did you get a degree in, you know, psychology or anything like that? Yeah. In the beginning, I was just observing. Mm -hmm. And then my daughter ended up developing Crohn's disease when she was 14. And then when she was 16, she told us about some trauma, some abuse that had happened to her when she was between the ages of six and eight from Mm -hmm. another girl in the neighborhood that we had no idea of. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what made me go back. I went back up my PhD in clinical counseling psychology mm-hmm. to really start understanding what was going on for both my wife and daughter. And that's sort of what led us to this. And what I've discovered is we can fix it. 
Right. And so let me back to you. So your daughter had this trauma, but she didn't feel safe to come home and talk about it like you did with your parents when stuff like that happened. Is that yeah, because but she of didn't, the- She had much different trauma. So I was getting bumped and bruised. You know, maybe somebody said something, a teacher was hard on me or a coach was hard on me, right? I wasn't getting physically assaulted. So her abuse and especially sexual abuse is something that is it's a pandemic in this country and it's not talked about. It's not. And even for my wife, my wife, when I first understood what was going on for her, she swore me to secrecy. Mm-hmm. I was never allowed to tell anybody what went on in her home because so it was shame a shame, a guilt. So shame. Yep. Shame is the lowest form of energy. And I'm saying that for, as a fact, like it is the lowest energetic state a human being can be in. It's like one, one step removed from death or suicide. So that, that energy of shame from sexual assault tends to you know, get locked inside because it's just way too hard to share it with others, especially when you're trying to put on the, the opposite projection of being squared away, right? It's yeah. probably what happened with your daughter and your wife. And my wife, if you met her, she's high functioning. Right. She's, she's a great mom. You know, she's a great wife but she was just living in fear. So everything every day was a constant fear of something going to happen, something going to go wrong. And it wasn't making sense to me because I said, you're in a loving home. We're doing well financially. Everything's going well. What's the problem? Right. Well, let's, let's make sure that um, leaders or listeners don't just think that like trauma is from something like physical abuse or sexual assault because trauma comes in many shapes and sizes, and it doesn't really discriminate, right? So give us kind of your view of what trauma really is. So I always talk about trauma can be, the other term I use is an emotional concussion. Because that's softer than trauma. What I mean by an emotional concussion, it could be a a teacher or a coach or a parent that was very critical. Mm -hmm. And they constantly criticize you. So maybe they're thinking that they're motivating you, but they're constantly telling you, that's not good enough. You're not working hard enough. Those are emotional concussions mm-hmm. that operate the same way trauma does and mm-hmm. will affect the mind as we grow up. Wow. I love that emotional concussion. You know, as a 20-year Navy SEAL, um, one of the things that I've been getting involved with, both personally as, as well as um, helping other vets, is just this growing evidence that even if like, how do I say this? Even if like myself, you come through... 20 years as a special operator or regular or any operator un, you know, relatively unscathed and you're a high performer, you still have years of micro trauma yes. and TBI on the brain from all, every single time you shoot a bullet, right? Your brain is bouncing back and forth. Yep. Receiving micro trauma. Every time you blow shit up and back when we blew shit up, you know, the instructors thought it was cool to have us, you know, at least the first one be a little too close, right? <laughs> Boom. Trauma. <laughs> Exactly. And, and every time you hit the ground hard in a parachute jump, trauma. Every time you uh, almost die, which is practically every week in the SEALs, trauma. And that just is cumulative. And so, like, there's, it's really important, especially if you're a vet or anybody in, in anything, any field where you experience that trauma, I mean, first responder, police, you know, professional athlete, to get a brain scan and to do, you know, the, the electrostim or the neurofeedback, right? Or the yes. hyperbaric chamber work that's going to, you know, eliminate that or f- heal that. 
so that you don't deal with the issues later in life, which you know show up as like dementia or early age, you know, early age onset dementia and Parkinson's and shit like that. Yeah, and a lot of times they don't under, they don't understand the compression from those bombs that you were around. Even though you're not getting maybe hit with the bomb, right. the compression is concussing the brain, That's and you right. are getting TBI from it. And the problem is, is that it shows up like a mental health issue, and so they're t- treating it with medication. That's right. Just what you said, you got it. it. Needs to be treated with hyperbaric oxygen, another right. therapeutic. Right. Right. And you add on top of that, the emotional trauma and they they get conflated and they actually kind of exacerbate each other, right? Because you don't have the healthy brain structures to really overcome the emotional or to, you know, to to trigger the parasympathetic nervous system. Exactly. And so now you're like, you see the vagus nerve, everything gets affected. So So physical trauma and emotional trauma really just make it 20 times worse. Yep. But emotional trauma in and of itself without physical trauma is, is also debilitating. And this is what you know, we were just started talking about. Yeah. And, and my son had uh, TBI and they kept on trying to tell me that he had major depression. And then they even started trying to put it into schizoid affective disorder, all these different things. And I said, no, he's got TBI. He had three head injuries as a child, one in elementary school, one in middle school, and one in high school. Mm-hmm. And each one, you just progressively saw him getting worse. He just shut down. He didn't want to do anything. He just didn't want to live life. He just sat around and or slept all day. And wow. we got hyperbaric oxygen chamber, and we put him in that, and it woke him up. How and, many? Uh, I'm curious about that because I'm looking into that for myself and for uh, vets through our Courage Foundation. But how many um, sessions does it really take in a hyperbaric chamber to heal? It really takes about forty. So, wow. yeah. and so you have to go in it on a continuous basis because it's a cumulative kind of a thing. So it's pushing mm-hmm. more oxygen deeper and deeper. And mm-hmm. if you do one or two, it's nice, but you're not getting the full effect. You really need to do multiple um, sessions Man. and fairly concurrently. So you can't yeah, do should, We should have other. like, what a great business opportunity. We should have hyperbaric therapy centers, you know, <laughs> do the brain EEG and the stem and the hyperbaric treatment, right? You know right down in the street corner in the, in the shopping mall. That's what we should have. It, it, it is the best kept secret in medicine. Right. I agree with you. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. So let's talk about, you know, if you don't have access to hyperbaric, how, how can the mind repair itself? How do, we, how do we start people who think that they're dealing with an emotional grenade or even TBI? You know, is there, is there, what does the mind do to re- try to repair itself? The mind, the body's designed. Or the brain, I should say. Yeah, the yeah. body and the brain are designed to heal. The mm-hmm. problem we have with TBI is it really takes some intervention. So I mm-hmm. think it really takes a lot more, like the hyperbaric and things like that. And you really need to get a spec scan or an fMRI to really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's what happened with my son. Is that once we got a spec scan done, 
then did a hyperbaric dive and then did another spec scan, you could see the difference. You could see starting blood flow starting to move into those injured areas. So that to me is really the solution. On the emotional side, the program we've developed is the issue that's coming in with trauma, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, panic attacks are all coming in from the storage of memory. This is what I've I've really discovered. The memory keeps looping. And the problem is, is that your subconscious mind is your survival brain and it operates in real time. It's fully present. It's confusing the memory with the event. And so the mind keeps calling for an action to solve it. So the purpose of an emotion, a feeling, or a sensation is a call for action. Mm-hmm. Your mind wants you to do something. The purpose of fear is to escape a threat, and the purpose of anger is to attack a threat. So if you think about something that happened to you five years ago and you feel fear or anger, that's the glitch. I see. The mind that's is recalling the it. Error message. <laughs> error message. That's what it is. <laughs> so and how do we clear the error message? It's, it's amazing. We can do it so simply. So the key is, is we do a four-hour program, and it takes about four hours to get the mind into that restorative state that will actually start updating. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the problem, and I know traditional therapy can help to some degree, mm-hmm. the problem is you've got an hour. In an hour, you really aren't getting that much done, and you're right. not getting into that relaxed, restorative mindset. Right. And, and to be fair, a lot of times, we're just reliving the event which is triggering the fear so you so you leave the therapy session in fight or flight in worse worse shape <laughs> right. because you go into a beta brainwave state when you had the trauma you were in a very high alert state a beta brainwave state mm-hmm. when you sit and you start talking about it you're in a beta brainwave state mm-hmm. you're not providing any kind of a counter to it mm-hmm. what i'm able to do is once we get to about an hour and a half in I've got the mind now starting to get into that restorative set into an alpha brainwave state. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Then when we start to introduce some of those events and experiences, the mind can then reprocess it from beta into alpha. And then it stops calling for the action. Interesting. Isn't that amazing? That is cool. So are you um, having your clients try to disassociate from the, memory or from the emotion or maybe be a little bit more descriptive about what you think is happening what, what i think is is actually happening is the mind is actually seeing it in high definition very mm-hmm. bright and intense because that's how it was captured mm-hmm. so your mind is recording everything your brain's recording all this activity and because it's in that high definition state anytime somebody talks about it reminds you of it your mind is actually looking at that information and responding in real time. Mm. So the way I explain it is if we're doing the opposite of what they did to the wizard of Oz, they took it from black (laughs) and white to color. Mm -hmm. We're taking it from color to black and white. Mm -hmm. So you don't forget the memory. You don't eliminate it. You just take all that intensity out of it. And then when the mind recalls the data, it stops calling for the action because it doesn't feel threatened. Interesting. So this is different than traditional coping therapy where say when it happens and you get all triggered, you know, just go outside, do some deep breathing, take a walk, you know? Yeah. This is, this is not that. And and I get that. So we're not trying to, and that's the traditional model. We're going to teach you to live and manage and cope with it. Right. And what I'm saying is no, we can eliminate it. We're proving that you can actually 
repair, restore that information so that the mind stops yeah. calling for the action. That's cool. This is like a, a sounds to me like a much more sophisticated version of what I've been trying to teach and what worked for me, which is, and I learned this through EMDR coupled with visualization, you know, retrospective visualization. So I call the practice recapitulation. Right. And I have uh, clients basically go back and remember an event and then to essentially recontextualize it from their adult self's perspective, especially yep. childhood events, and to dim, like you said, dim the light on the energy of the original event and to create a literally a different outcome right. in their mind's eye. So it's a little bit different. It's like trying to like using imagination to create a non-harmful, non-threatening outcome right. that the adult self is now experiencing in that time frame of the child self or whenever the wound happened. Right. And it, ha it has a similar effect, but I think what you're doing is probably is much more of a permanent solution, I think. It is, because we've now gone back over years of people who've gone through the program and it's completely healed. Right. So I worked with the Boston Marathon bombing survivors, the Vegas shooting victim, you know, people like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Rebecca Gregory, she was three feet from the first bomb that went off at the Boston Marathon. Oh, good Lord. She suffered for five years with post-traumatic stress. Right. And after she went through the program, it was gone. And oh. she says, I can't believe four hours could stop that. So on the sixth anniversary, she went back to the marathon and said, I'm going to do everything I did that day six years ago. Walk every step, including standing where I was when the bomb went off. Mm -hmm. And she uh, texted me a picture from there saying, she's fine. No stress. In fact, she had just had tears of joy. There was no response to that event at all anymore. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. And so, but that's what I believe is possible. We can heal it. We don't have to treat it. We don't have to manage it. We need to just get the, the brain to understand there's no call for an action. Mm -hmm. What do you need to do about a bomb that went off five years ago? Mm -hmm. Nothing. It's just information about something. Doesn't mean we're happy about it, but. I see how, you know, where people like this woman you're talking about, like it's obvious acute trauma, like something bad happens, you know? Right. That seems to be like people, when, when something bad happens, people are like, man, I, I can't handle this. I really need to get some help. But then there's the much more insidious, subtle trauma from like the first seven years of your life where you don't remember it. You know what I mean? Yep. But like for me, I don't really remember a whole lot from my first seven years, a couple powerful moments, right? right? But the rest is just kind of a blur. But I do know now, as I look, you know, as all the work I've done, I look back and I'm like, yeah, there was a lot of trauma, a lot of violence, a lot of anger, a lot of, you know, withheld. And that is, tra that's trauma. It is trauma. That's, that's triggering, especially with the, you know, the first three years, first 18 months of a child life, there's absolutely no way to differentiate from the care provider, your mother. And if the mother is experiencing trauma, guess what? You're experiencing trauma. Yep. 100%. And so You're looking to them for your response to what's right. going on. Yep. Right. And so this is one of the things I've been trying to uh, impress upon our, our tribe, our clients at Unbeal Mind is that you may be a highly you know, successful CEO even, or you may be f worth millions of dollars and you may even be a top CrossFitter, but chances are you're still holding yourself back because you're not looking at the emotional 
trauma or shadow that you're carrying around. Yes. And I learned this through an organization called the Hoffman Institute. Mm -hmm. And I went through a seven day program called the Hoffman process. And they focus on, they call it the negative love syndrome from early childhood uh, traumatic situations, or early childhood environments. And it was profound. It had a profound effect on my understanding of all the patterns that arose from that. And then you work, you work to essentially eliminate that energy, you know, and turn it into a positive and not be a victim or not, you know, blame your parents for, you know, <laughs> whatever's going on in your life. Well, even with the best of intentions, our parents can be creating those kinds of emotional concussions. That's right. Because they're just playing out the same patterns that their parents played out. And, and so then even so. sometimes though, with just the words they're using, when you take a five-year-old or six-year-old child they don't have enough life experience to interpret what was just being said. Right. So as an example, I had a lady come in and she had a very, very bad relationship with her stepfather. She didn't like him. She didn't get along with him. Yet her brother and sister who were younger than her were fine with him. They loved him. Mm. But she just said, I rebelled against him. I fought against him. Well, what had happened is we came back to an event when she was about six years old that her natural father, who she had never met, wanted to meet her. Mm -hmm. And she says, I remember him saying right, that I was a mistake. Oh, ouch. Now, when we went through that, I said, is it possible that that's not maybe what he said, but your mind heard it that way? that maybe it was a mistake that this guy right, got together with your mother, or maybe it was a mistake that your mom got pregnant at that time, but that you're not a mistake. And as we were going through that, and she's in this very relaxed, restorative mindset, she says, I feel this rush of energy going through my chest right now. And she says, and what's coming to my mind is my stepfather braiding my hair when I was younger. Mm. And so she goes, you know what? He really was a good guy. I just couldn't get along with him because in her mind, he had called her a mistake. Interesting. Now that's yeah. not a physical, and he probably didn't mean it. You know, you just say those statements, oh, you are a mistake, mm -hmm. right? We sometimes talk about a child who was born out of wedlock. It was a mistake, mm -hmm. but that's mm -hmm. not what he meant, but that's what she heard. My wife had another great example of that when she was very young she was invited to go to a tea party with some of her friends and she got there and her grandmother dressed her up really pretty, a nice little dress with her ribbons in her hair. And she felt beautiful. And she went there and the mothers who were there to greet her, one of the mothers said, Oh, this one's going to be a heartbreaker. And all the mothers agreed. Uh -uh. And my wife's, and when she's telling me this story, she's crying because she says, I thought they saw something bad in me. Oh my. Yeah. Now, they didn't mean what she interpreted they meant. Of course not, right? right? But that was a emotional concussion for her. Interesting. Those are the things that are affecting us later in life, and you don't even know it. Yeah. But like, as you said, we don't remember a lot of those things, but our mind never forgets. Mind never forgets. We call that an unveil mind, your background of obviousness, or boo. Right? And, yeah. and it's great because sometimes it just goes boo and it scares you, right? I like that. That's background, really good. But background of obvious is basically any pattern, any subconscious pattern that you're just not aware of that's, that's running a script in your life yep. and then informing the overall story and the reactionary conditioning that we have. So obviously everything that we've talked about, trauma is part of your boo, you know, any kind of emotional shadow, but also language, 
mm-hmm. you know, cultural beliefs and norms that you just take for granted. All this, you know, if you grow up nowadays on social media with all the memes and and you, know, you just take it for granted, you think that's just the way things are, and you don't realize that it's actually just a story. That yes. is a script that's being run. That's why advertising is so damn powerful, and social media is so powerful to affect culture. So, boo, we're all got it. Let me ask you though, what is the power of language as it relates to trauma or to lock trauma in? It's it's amazing. And a lot of it again comes down to experience, your previous experience. I could say a word to you that may not mean something to somebody else, but has a big meaning to you. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you, you call a woman, oh honey, you know, don't do that. But her mm-hmm. father, who was very demeaning to her, used to call her honey all the time. Mm-hmm. You're thinking, did I say something that offensive? To her it was because her mind does a Google search. Right. It's constantly doing Google searches on experiences, words, all those things. Have we experienced this before? What does this mean? Are we in danger? And so if that word was offensive to her, then, and then you say it, right? Maybe not meaning it that. You could even say it to your own wife. Oh, honey, no, that's, that's fine, right? In an endearing way. And then she's getting upset with you. And you say, what did I just say? Right. And that's, so, that's classically called transference, isn't it? In yes. the psychology profession. Yeah. Yep. That happens so much. I can't tell you how much of my mother I transferred onto my wife. What a yes. poor soul my wife is for having to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to include calling her Susie once in a while. And she's like, oh my God, I'm not your mother. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Uh, I need help. <laughs> Well, it was even things like, and I didn't understand it at the time, but if I said something to my wife like, no, I don't like that, she could res- start to tear up and cry and say, why are you mad at me? Right. And I'd say, I'm not mad at you. I didn't say anything to make you think I was mad at you. Right. What I didn't realize as a child, she had learned to listen so carefully to the way her father spoke. And if she heard the slightest inflection change in her voice, she knew trouble was coming. Right. So she could hear it in my voice, and then what that would do was then rush in a whole bunch of data about what happened to her as a child. She wasn't responding with tears to what I said. She thought she was, and I thought she was. Mm-hmm. She was responding to the flood of data coming in about being hurt as a child. That's what was creating the response. <laughs> and so I kept thinking, I've got to say it calmer. I've got to say it nicer. I've got to choose my words better. There was nothing I could have done until we got that trauma cleared and updated. It's amazing that we can even navigate life with all this emotional (gasps) subconscious triggers and conditioning going on, isn't it? And and that's why relationships break down. Because if I've got things that that are getting initiated and activated by something my wife says, and then she's got, and then I say something activates hers, we stop communicating and connecting. Right. And then it breaks down. Right. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. How does trauma affect the body in terms of like, you know, hormones and inflammation and, you know, basic functioning? 
Yeah. I believe that unresolved trauma is creating inflammation in the body. Mm. The purpose of the inflammation is a pause. So the reason we have inflammation is the cells go into a cell danger response. So for my daughter, the cell danger response showed up in her lower intestinal area. That was Crohn's. What does cell danger response mean? So the cells go inflamed. So they develop sort of a hardened membrane. They sort of puff out. To protect themselves? To protect themselves, to stop anything from penetrating the cell. Interesting. So nothing's getting into the cell, but nothing's getting out of the cell. It's a temporary pause until the danger passes. I see. Yeah, and toxicity builds up in the cell. But the purpose of it is when the danger is over, when you escape the lion, right, then it goes back into its normal cell response. So the mitochondria, the ATP in the cell are now released. So now mm-hmm. you go back into normal homeostasis. Mm-hmm. But for my daughter, the trauma kept looping. Mm-hmm. So the inflammation stayed active because the danger hadn't passed. Interesting. And that's what I believe was going on. So then that creates a big change in the body. So, for so her, you're saying her Crohn's disease was caused by her emotional trauma. And I believe so. With epigenetics or diet or... They kept telling us it was diet, take out gluten, take out dairy, all those kinds of things. Once we got the trauma resolved, she hasn't had a Crohn's flare up. <laughs> That's amazing. And so yeah, I mean, it makes total sense to me, right? Because you're, you're, un- you're eradicating the underlying energy that was causing the inflammation. And uh, it wasn't something that you're putting in your body. It was something you're creating inside your body through your mental structures. Mental yeah. And it stayed active. So for my wife, she was in a constant fight or flight state. So she was constantly producing cortisol. So she's got Hashimoto's, another autoimmune issue, because her thyroid was overproducing cortisol. Mm-hmm. And that's going to lead to all kinds of different problems. And so for her, her thyroid sort of burnt out. Mm-hmm. And that's not meant to be that. Your fight or flight response is an emergency management system. You know that from your your military days, right? That's designed to protect you, right? When you're in a threat, but it's supposed to turn off when the threat is over. Only humans keep looping memory Mm. and keeping it active. That's Animals don't do that because they don't have the same kind of orientation toward time, right? Yeah, and they also don't store memory. They don't store explicit memory. They have associative memory. We have that too. So the associative memory is the procedural repetition memory that we learn and we build. So I see my dog, he knows I'm the caregiver and food and a walk are about ready to happen and maybe some playtime. Yeah. But he, he doesn't like think back like, oh yeah, I remember when Mark took me for right. a long walk three weeks ago. <laughs> and he doesn't really, know the details of right. why he loves you. He just knows he's safe. Right. Yes. And so, but the details of that is not something that he can recall. He just knows that he's in a safe environment. That's why you can feed your dog the same thing every day because they don't remember eating that. (laughs) (laughs) It's a new meal. They're excited. They're going to survive. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. So, is there anybody that's not fixable? Is, it, is are there are there people who are just too far gone, or you know, is this something that every will work for everyone? I believe everybody can heal, right? Yeah. Um, people who get into who are schizophrenic, I believe, have been so severely traumatized yeah. that the brain is just so just disorganized. Split, right, it's very very hard for it. those are the most difficult cases, I believe, where mm-hmm. you now you've got so much dysfunction going on that can you even get them? to that point. I find the same thing as if they're heavily medicated. 
Yeah. Because we can't get the mind to start processing. The purpose of the medication is to block processing. Mm-hmm. And it does a really good job. It really stops. I, I mean, I had a guy come in and he was a little different. He was uh, an alcoholic, but he came in and he was drunk. And I thought, well, I'm going to try taking him through the program anyway. And I just couldn't get through. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he just, he wasn't able to concentrate and focus and get his mind into that restorative state. So those That's will definitely affect. brings up an interesting question. Do you, can you, or does the work that you do on trauma, can it help addiction? Addictive Oh, hundred percent. We're getting people out of addiction. I don't believe addiction is a disease. I don't either. My model is it's a code. The associative memory, that procedural memory, we have the two memory systems, the explicit memory that only humans have, all that details about events and experiences. Mm -hmm. That's what creates the pain. Mm -hmm. They found a substance to stop the pain temporarily, but because they kept repeating it over and over and over, they built a code. Mm -hmm. The mind is operating at that point on codes. Right. And that's why if you try to stop that code, the mind's not going to be okay with that because it says, we're going to die without that heroin. It's a glitch mm-hmm. because you, by continually repeating it, you programmed it to believe that the solution to the problem was heroin. Right. And it doesn't want to give it up. So the, what we're doing is we first fix the explicit memory that created the pain. And then it's a lot easier to start changing the codes. What if the memory, like for a lot of alcoholics or drug addicts, it's not like one memory. It's like I grew, you know, you grew up in, I said, I, it's true. I grew up in an environment where alcohol was a problem. Right. And so then that, that just kind of greased the groove. And in my early late teen, early adulthood, alcohol did cause some problems for me, you know? And so I had to deal with that, but so it's not one memory. It's just kind of a, Again, it can be a multiple kind of an associative thing. But once we, once we start clearing some of that memory, we only work on about three different events. The mind, once it gets this process down, it's like a new app. It then mm-hmm. starts going through all those events and experiences mm-hmm. and starts to update all of it. Once it learns the healing technique, it just processes. Oh, interesting. That's what's so beautiful about it. So I had a lady who had really bad sexual abuse as a child. And then we did three different events and she says, you know, this is going to take us all night because I have a lot of these. I said, we don't need to do any more. Your mind will process everything else for you. Hmm. And so I ran into her about a month later at a store and she said to me, she came up to me and she's like, I got to tell you something. She said, I felt great that day. There's no question those events had been updated. I felt fine about them. She said, I didn't believe you when you told me my mind would clear everything else. Mm-hmm. She says, but I was at Universal Studios on the weekend riding on an escalator with my daughter and my husband, and I was looking over the railing, and my daughter said to me, she says, Mom, look at what you're doing. And she goes, I never told you I had a fear of heights. We never mm-hmm. even discussed it. Mm-hmm. So whatever event created that, the mind processes it. Interesting. It's, like I said, it's designed to heal, especially when you go into that theta brainwave state when you start dreaming and sleeping. Mm-hmm. That's when the mind's processing. So after we do the four-hour session, you go to sleep at night, then your mind continues to process what it just learned during the day. Well, now that uh, we have this COVID lockdown, are you doing, are you still doing in person or, or is there a way you can do this training virtually? Yeah, mostly it's on Zoom now. Um, I can do it one-on-one, but people aren't traveling. So mm-hmm. it's almost always done on Zoom, but we're also doing groups. 
Mm. So we can do even group on a Zoom. And it's pretty fascinating. So it still works. Mm -hmm. That's cool. We're getting long in the tooth here, but I do want to ask you, you know, for, for listeners who are like, you know what, I, 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 this sounds great. I'd like to try it on my own. Is there a way, do you have a tool? I see um, something called the one frame memory reprogram. Do you have a way people can begin to reboot without having to do a four hour or without waiting for a four hour session with you? It's, it's more difficult to do mainly because if your mind doesn't get into that restorative state, you're really pushing up against the defense that the mind's going to have about making change. The mind doesn't really like to make changes. Quick changes are not safe. Right. That's why I believe the four hours are so impactful because we get you into a state where the mind is feeling very relaxed and feeling very safe. And then it's open to start making some changes. Right. You have a, a new book. Is it out yet? Um, this yeah. book? Okay. So I, well, I've got two. Okay. The one I was thinking about is you must be out of your mind. Is that the new book? Or? That's the first one. That's the first one. What's the yeah. second one then? The second one is called Emotional Concussions. Emotional Concussions. Awesome. Yeah. And that's the one that's recently out. That's the recent one. Yep. Oh, well, congratulations. Thanks. Emotional Concussions. I imagine that's anywhere books are sold. Yep. It's on and Amazon. It's on our website. And your website is inspiredperformanceinstitute.com. Correct. And the reason we call it performance program and not therapy is we start from the premise that there's nothing wrong with anybody's mind. Everybody's mind's just being affected by these events and experiences. And all we need is a reset. It's like a computer. We just need to reboot the computer. Right. Do you think that like at a mass level, people have been traumatized by uh, COVID and the, you know, the shutdowns and the racial riots? Oh, sure. And that yep. we're going to have a massive emotional baggage to deal with in the next few years. <laughs> I think so. I really do. I think I it's going to be a yeah. big effect. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Cause anytime your survival is threatened, right? Your mind goes into a protective mode. So it's going to be constantly activated by anything right. that looks like COVID again. Yeah. Right. Well, and also, I mean, it's, it's, to me, it's just the cost of the economic shutdown is sure. vastly, vastly, understated and misunderstood or not understood by the government the cost in in terms of uh, emotional distress caused by the economic distress survival you know fight or flight by millions of people who've lost their jobs lost their businesses you know suicide's going to go up untreated illnesses are going to you know inflame and yep. people are going to die and families are getting wrecked it's just horrific probably trillions of dollars have been just destroyed of wealth. Absolutely. And, and they don't see it because they don't have to worry about it. That's right. Their okay. paycheck comes in regardless. Paycheck comes in like clockwork and they just print some more money. And yeah, what a, what a nightmare. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. We're heading into that fourth turning dangerous period of happens every hundred to 120 years. The last time it happened was world war one, world war two period. Then the hundred you know, the time before that was the civil war. And before that was Revolutionary War. So every fourth turning, there's conflict and you know turmoil. Yeah. And um, yeah, so stand by. Everyone buckle down and, and this emotional stuff. And we got to get a jump on it, I think, because it's really important. Yeah. And the key is to be able to keep your mind present. Right. So we can deal with the lion that's in front of us. Right. But if you're dealing with a lion in front of you, but you've got a whole bunch of memory about all the lions that you got hurt by. <laughs> right. 
right? That's going to stop your ability to be in your best performance level. Right. Who got of that? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your work. I'm, I'm intrigued. I even said this last time. I'm intrigued, actually. I would love to spend some uh, four hours with you and just see, you know, because I'm always, I, I'm, a, I'm a high performer. Yep. But I love the name of your thing, Inspired Performance, right? I always think there's room to grow and, and uh, you know, overcome. It's like, you know, layers of an onion, you know? So we, the first layer, people usually go in the first layer. They're like, I'm healed. They don't right. recognize there's like 50, 50 layers on another gear. <laughs> and that's what we're seeing all the time. So I work with, you know, high performing athletes, you know, CEOs who have another gear. That's right. And it just takes them to that next level. And it's incredible to watch. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. All right. We'll follow up on that. That'd be fun. Yeah. I'd love to take you through it. I think you'd really love it. Yeah. Let's do that. I'm yep. serious. I'll drop you a note. And... All right. So um, awesome. Thanks so much. So everybody listening, check out, uh, Dr. Wood, Dr. Don Wood's book, uh, Emotional Concussions. Also, You Must Be Out of Your Mind. What a great title. Find him at inspiredperformanceinstitute.com. Uh, and Twitter, he's at inspiredperfor, no M, perfor2. Uh, Instagram, ins- uh, at inspiredperformanceinstitute. And Facebook, uh, Inspired Performance Institute. Awesome. Don, thank you so much. Really appreciate you oh, and thanks, your work. And your I appreciate you. Yeah, who yeah. We'll we'll talk soon. Sounds great. Thanks. All right, folks. That's it for today. This is the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. You know the deal. Stay focused, do the work, and be unbeatable. See you next time. Who yeah. Divine out. So, you've got an idea for a business, the store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out, everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media, source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com listen. 